Hello and welcome to Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, the interview podcast where we talk to funny people to find out what makes them laugh. So we'll speak to comedians, actors, authors, academics, award winners, sports people, you name it, and we'll find out from them what they find funny and how humour and comedy has influenced their work. So it might get serious from time to time, hey? Why not, hey? But at the end of the day, we'll always come back to the funny. So sit back, relax, put your feet up and enjoy this week's episode of Pull Back Reveal. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, and today's guest, Mr. Toby Haydock, an absolute legend of the Manchester and Northwest comedy scene, not only for running the, well, famous, award-winning, much-loved comedy club, Excess Malarkey, but also for his own stand-up, his emceeing duties that he does at the comedy store and elsewhere, his love his knowledge, his um, adoration of all things Doctor Who that has led to him doing TV and radio and, and theatre and festival stuff all based around that and podcasts as well. He he does so much. He's an amazing writer. He's a great actor. He writes obituaries in The Guardian a lot of the time about old actors or about comedians that have sadly passed away and does so with such a delicacy and kind of core of love and emotion running through it you can't help but want to learn more about these people and to be touched by it as well he's hugely looked up to and admired I know that I always have from when I started out in stand-up and and still do now I just hugely kind of you know admire the guy and uh, take a lot from his viewpoint and things on and comments as well look that's all going to come across during this episode which is a bit of a longer one today but we were having such a lovely chat and we cover so many topics i thought it would be a bit amiss of me not just to let it flow and see where it ended up so sit back relax put your feet up and enjoy the fantastico mr toby haydock Okay, so I am here now with Mr. Toby, and actually, sorry, my first question, Toby, if that's mm. all right, I'm going to leap straight in there. How should I pronounce your surname? Because I've heard so many different versions of it over the years, from Haydock, Haydock, Haddock, Haddock at one time, which I'm sure is completely wrong. Yeah, uh, I get Hadoki as well. Hadoki, um, no, I, yeah. I didn't think of that one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a popular one because uh, written down, it does look. Uh, you know, I, I if people have just sort of read it uh, and then they meet me, I I, I can pick up the uh, exact facial expression that means I'm slightly <laughs> surprised you're not Japanese uh, because it's you got it right first. It's it's and there's no discernible reason why it should be because it is not spelled. As it is pronounced, it's Haydoke. Um, okay. Even though it doesn't have a Y, which you would think it would do if it was Haydoke, but it's. Um, uh, and I used to joke that my forebears were fisher folk who got ideas above their station. And then my uncle researched our family tree, and lo and behold, a couple of hundred years ago, a, a Mr. Haddock married a woman 
who was obviously the hyacinth bouquet of her time, and they transmogrified the fishy name into a, a word that was less fishy, but also even less pronounceable. Um, uh, and and as no logic as to why it is pronounced in the, the manner that it is. So um, uh, uh, that's that, and that's why there are no others. That's why uh, we I think we're the only ones because it's actually a made up uh, name. <laughs> you know, it's, no, it's not a real name. So uh, any other uh, people with the surname spelled like ours, I, I know are relatives. Awesome. That that's a lovely story though to think that someone at some point couple of hundred years ago it was like i am not marrying a haddock I'm not, i am I'm not, not taking that fish. name <laughs> yeah um well and um, we have a history of uh, unfortunate names because my mother's maiden name um was uh mister uh and uh, so her dad was mr mister and um uh, uh she, she she was she's a, a trained nurse so she she got married to my dad three months before she became a ward sister otherwise she'd have been sister mister Oh, so my uh, word. she was out of the frying pan and into the fire. <laughs> you always look at that, don't you? You know, when you see, um, we're off on a tangent already, but you know, when you see like the, in the new, you don't see it so often these days because we hardly ever look at newspapers, especially hardly ever local ones as well. But it would always be, a, yeah, a, an unfortunate surname. And you you have to worry about the, obviously the tradition is that, that Mrs. takes Mr.'s name, isn't it? And you do have yep. to think, oh my God. Imagine him becoming a bum or a, you know, a <laughs> Mrs. Groin or, you know, something like this, you know, like what the, the, the family so pleased that they'd married off the, the last child to only yes. then say, and what's his name? Uh, but no, that, that awesome. Thank you for clearing that up for me. And uh, so, <laughs> give you, the, give you the, the family tree. That no, I, I love sure. all that stuff. It's, who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a really cheap version of that. I also describe this show as like a, a really cheap version of This Is Your Life as well. <laughs> um, and uh, also, gladly, absolutely nothing like a Piers Morgan show either. So, oh, gosh, I do hope not. Yeah. I, I, it's, uh, did you see, uh, let's, let's just go off on tangents at the moment. Did, uh, I unfortunately did catch, or I was a little bit interested to watch the um, the Barrymore one that was on the other night, um, just because of, I don't know, maybe for, what would you say, sort of wondering about, you know, the car crash element. Yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, the rubbernecking, is it? No, I, 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 I didn't. I, I mean, I, I tend to steer clear of anything. As I get older, I used to be drawn like a moth to a flame to watch somebody who would appall me and infuriate me. And, you know, I, my, you know, I, would, set, I would set my recorder for... Uh, I nearly said video then to give away my <laughs> but, but question time. Even if, you know, if question time was on and I wasn't in, I would watch it when I got back, you know, because there's nothing better than having a glass of wine and being furious at the telly. As I get older, I now think one has a much happier life if instead of seeking out the things that infuriate one, it's probably best to avoid them. Um, although that said, I do on Twitter, this is an interesting one. I had a conversation with a friend the other day saying, you know, um, we were talking about somebody that um, had greatly offended this friend of mine. And I said, so how do you feel by the fact that I still follow them? Because I know there are certain there are certain um, people who sort of go, if you if you follow that person, you're endorsing them. And I go, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I'm important enough that me 
reading what they say is somehow some sort of lofty official endorsement. And if you think you're endorsing somebody because you you're reading some of the things they say, I think you think very highly of your yourself. But but my friend who, who said, you know, well, no, because you and I said, you know, I don't want to live in an echo chamber. I, I follow a lot of people on Twitter I disagree with. And my friend said, you know, you're not on Twitter. You're never on an echo chamber because somebody will always retweet something appalling to boil your blood or show you the other side of things. So you don't need to follow people you disagree with. And I did take that point. But it's interesting that I, do, I tend not to watch telly that will infuriate me now. But I do keep an eye on on Twitter, on people that I disagree with, just to see where we might sometimes have common ground or, ju or just so that I'm aware of... Um, you know, you're always you're you're always invigorated more by I think things that um, that that you that you that you disagree with sometimes than things that you are. But I think now when I watch, te but interestingly that that we get that now not just from our television because social media has become such a such a big thing that I think I seek it less in my television and I look for much more comforting and escapist television now than I ever used to. I, I used to love a dystopian future. I used to love a, you know, something with a political opponent. And now I just sort of think, oh, just make me happy or divert me or, 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 or enable me to escape from the real world because we get so much of that now in much in concentrated and, and pretty relentless form because of this addiction so I certainly have to, you know, that little, that little device that keeps us in touch with the loudest voices out there in, in cyberspace. Yeah, it's uh, you, the words you use that I sort of picked out there is like you, you're sort of invigorated by it. I, I, I sort of feel a need, it's like, yeah, to invigorate my hatred or maybe to reinforce yes. my hatred of people sometimes. So, I, you know, I obviously am not looking at Nigel Farage's Twitter feed every day or Katie Hopkins or someone like that. But for some reason, every now and again, my brain says, oh, have a have a little look at what they're saying. And then, you know, you can go. Yep, still hate them. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yep, still angry about them. Yep, okay, I don't need to look anymore. I don't need to read any further. It's interesting, though, because I think it's a slightly false invigoration. It's a bit like a sugar rush. There's a, there's a brilliant play by, a television play years ago by Nigel Neal, who wrote Quatermass and various other bits of fantastic science fiction, that's called The Year of the Sex Olympics. And it's about a society where they are saturated with with sex and gluttony and all sorts of things like that on the television to, to the extent that they are inured to them and they are immune to them. Right. Um, so, so they get this wall-to-wall -wall sort of indulgence, all the things that we think we want that will satisfy and invigorate and provoke us. And actually, they, they are so dull to it that they no longer sort of have sex themselves. They are no longer um, creatures of... Uh, 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 who who are sated uh, or lustful or or, or 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 desirous of of the things that we sort of spoil ourselves with, and actually, what springs up from that is they start doing a program set on uh, an island with just two people, normal people living together on an island, right? Uh, and it's sort of real normal life, and that becomes the big hit because it's sort of every day and normal and of course the television exec who's always up for a, a you know to make things more exciting puts a psychopath on the island uh, 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 to, to, to stir things up and make it interesting and actually the psychopath kills the woman and and the man 
is so upset, you know, he sees his, his, his partner killed by this guy that he cries real tears. And it's the first sort of emotion in the whole play because this in this future, you know, everyone's sort of dulled and, and, and um, indulgent and narcissistic or whatever. And, the, and to see a real emotion on the television, the viewing audience start to laugh because they don't know how to process it. And the thing that makes them laugh is seeing a real person crying. And it's a really clever thing of sort of going how we feed our emotions in different ways and how we sort of shape them um, and having too much of something that uh, you know having too much violence might might actually dull us to it and not make us violent but actually make us uh, sort of potatoes you know it's yeah really it's, no, it's what what kind of age is on that how old is that uh, it's about 1964 I'm guessing it was in color might be later than that, um, but sixties, nineteen sixties. That's interesting because you could see that being a modern thing. It's almost Truman Showish with your kind yeah, of producer yeah, yeah. guy going, "I need to turn the volume up on this. I need to put the heat on a bit more." You know, it's not enough. It's not enough. Oh, figures, was, viewing was, figures have dropped slightly. You know, so we need to turn it up again. He was a visionary, Nigel Neal. He was very clever. That sounds uh, awesome. I, I'll, I'll check that out. I'm very much. I'm not so much. Uh, Please don't hang up on me. I'm not so much. Well, I guess it is kind of sci-fi, but, you know, I'm not. It's not something I've really grown up with, to be honest with you. Um, you know, as kind of a, you know, a genre, I guess you'd, you'd describe it as, wouldn't you? You know, of um, yeah. me media and books and films and that kind of thing. My fascination, though, has always been, and I, it is sci-fi to a, a, a degree, maybe, um, of kind of end of the world type scenarios and stories so i guess dystopian stuff as well you know it, i think that probably came from reading 1984 at probably too young an age so that it influenced <laughs> my my teenage years and angst and everything could be you know my uh studying sociology at a level you know you can imagine the little prick i was can't you so <laughs> well Ni nigel neal uh, uh, did the first ever television adaptation of 1984 in 1954 right. and it was done live uh, and it's a, a superb production. Um, uh, and yeah, two and a half hours of it, all done live with film inserts. Peter Cushing as Winston Smith. Um, oh, amazing! And it caused quite a stir. Yeah, I, I bet. No, that that sounds really visionary, like you like you said. And yeah, my um, dystopian end of the world fascina fascination is um, yes, yeah, I always hunt out stuff like that. You know, on Netflix, it's sort of. Yeah. Oh, and I've got an, a couple of hours to spare to relax. That's what, what's the latest um, and you know apocalypse program to yeah. watch. I, I actually think I think that 1984 is on Amazon. I don't quite know how because um, um, we tried to get it out on DVD with the BBC and with the BFI, and the Orwell Estate blocked it because they wanted too much money. And we were right. going, we've got the last surviving cast member, and you know we we can, we can clean up the film and make it really nice, and it's out of copyright in six years. Go on, let us do it. And they, they held out for too much money. So we've got all this brilliant material. Uh, 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 and, and now it's, there's a really shoddy copy of it uh, on Amazon, uh, which you can, you know, stream or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, so for free. So check it out. But um, well, I've got the, I've also, got the v also yeah. then write them a letter going, but you should really <laughs> the, the, the restored version with a commentary track with me on it. Yeah. Do, do you have your, and I, I don't know if this is common within, I've, I excuse this within myself by saying, oh, I bet all men, you know, for 
to be sort of, you know, stereotypical and that kind of thing about it, have, have probably got an end of the world plan. Have you got a, a an escape plan or anything like that that you have in uh, your head? Well, I sort of, I do sometimes when I'm sort of out walking, I sort of imagine a, a sort of survivor scenario. Oh, yes, me too. Work. And I sort of go, well, I'd obviously have to stock up on on weapons, but I wouldn't want too many because I wouldn't want to fight. But uh, obviously there would be some ne'er-do-wells out there. And, and I sort of think, well, I'd probably need to live by the coast because then I could fish in the city. Because <laughs> you can't yeah. fish in the rivers because the rivers can get polluted. And there was an episode of Survivors where a load of people got wiped out because they ate the fish. Um, uh, whereas the sea, I think you'd be all right, especially if you've got a little boat. But also you wouldn't want to draw too much attention to yourself. So I'd sort right. of a little cottage with a generator um, and just enough sort of land to... You know, be able to sort of barb my, you know, you know make myself secure so I could say, because you wouldn't sleep, would you, if it was just you? Because all it would take was somebody to come in and slit your throat or whatever. Um, so it's a, it's a mixture of sort of a, a, a comfortable but humble life of, of minor toil <laughs> with, yeah. uh, with high end security. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we have such high um, self opinions of ourselves when it comes to planning your, your end of world. Um, escape route, don't we, of what we'd actually be capable of when, you know, yeah. normally if my vape runs out of battery, there's a complete nervous breakdown that occurs in day-to-day yeah. -day yeah. life. But but oh. I'm a, I, my, she's my wife now, uh, but when she was my girlfriend and uh, in uh, student digs in Manchester were beside the uh, Territorial Army headquarters, if you'd even call it that, that's in uh, like the Hume area. Yeah. Um, and, um, I remember like gazing out the window at some point and she'd been talking to me and I was, she's used to it now, you know, I hadn't heard a word that she was, she was saying, but obviously early days of the relationship still trying to put on the pretense of, uh, you know, how observant and uh, my ears are always open and I'd never miss a, a word that she said. Um, and then she asked me what, you know, what are you gazing out the window at? anyway you know what where were you you know you looked like you were miles away and that, what I didn't want to tell her early in the relationship was I'd spotted a section of the wall that I thought I could <laughs> I would be able to avoid the barbed wire and that there'd probably be quite a lot of guns and ammunition in that building and um, should there be an imminent zombie attack <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely no I, I, that's quite that's quite often a sort of default fantasy mode <laughs> yeah I, I do it all the, i did it earlier today my, my work at the moment involves me going around lots of um residential care homes um and uh, <laughs> for some reason at one point i thought what if they all turned into zombies what where would i and then well, i was panicking because I, I mean it's <laughs> well i didn't know any of the door codes and that was what that was what <laughs> for some reason the, the, watching this guy struggle with uh one of the the door codes you know, to get into the next section of the home um, was, uh, yeah, what all it took to trigger me into thinking, oh, my God, what would I do? Because I wouldn't know any of the door codes. It's quite scary what goes through our heads at times, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's good to know I'm not the only person that when they're out walking, that's what they're uh, yeah. Yeah, thinking about. And I, I love the uh, the fishing boat and the cottage life mixed yeah. with the uh, heavy artillery is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's a, a beautiful image for uh yeah the uh the repopulation of the earth will will commence from that cottage i'm i'm sure um so yeah that that was um thank you that was the longest hello i've had to yes. someone so <laughs> how are you toby 
Yeah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, you know, plodding along. That's what I tend to do. Uh, good, good man, good man. Well, look, I always say it, but I genuinely mean it. Thank you very much for sparing the the, the time to to speak to me on my uh, humble little podcast here. And um, I'm sure what happens with podcasts is, uh, you know, unless you've got huge followings, you end up getting kind of picked up and and listened to either. A little bit on mistake, I guess, but then obviously for people that are searching online for people by by particular name as well. But um, I don't like to do this, but I'll try and give sort of a, a potted background of you, if that's all right, for yeah. for people who 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 might not be aware who've been living in a cottage somewhere um, <laughs> fishing. And <laughs> civilization has just started. Exactly. Yeah. The first thing they so, have to do is catch up on podcasts. <laughs> This could be, you know, someone listening back to this. Someone might urgently be searching for, you know, end of the world survival. Yeah. And uh, if I hashtag it and get my SEOs right, I might be able to make it that this is the top thing that comes up for, for future generations. So this probably could be our... Probably look for how do you fill it a haddock. Um... <laughs> yeah. As they're out in their fishing boat. Yeah. yeah. Or, and reload uh, how, how to fashion bullets from, I don't know... <laughs> whale's teeth or, or something like that um but yeah you're obviously i know you from your your comedy your stand-up comedy um and emceeing and the long history that you've got and I'm, I'm sure that we'll we'll cover it at some point during our, our conversation of the well absolutely amazing comedy club that is excess malarkey in in manchester but you're also a writer you're famed in other circles or in the same circles for uh, a, a love of science fiction that we've already mentioned and and especially doctor who and that's led you to do shows and radio shows and and performances off the off the back of it as well you you seem to be a really busy guy doing loads of different varied things is, is that a fair some summarization yeah, would you say I've, I've slowed down a little bit recently because i i think i I'd, I'd got myself used to the i think it's the insecurity isn't it of the of the self-employed uh person and I, i've been fortunate in that i haven't had what i would describe as a proper job in inverted commas for you know nearly 20 years i shouldn't think um and and you know, I see that as a victory. You know, when you're when you're, uh, you know, looking at your, your your career and weighing up the the, the successes and failures, and I, I don't think any, any, anybody ever quite feels like a success. In fact, I, you know, I know of people who who have had far greater success, um, you know, the, the, than I could ever dream of, who are still not satisfied because I think it's the nature of this business: is you the grass is always greener, uh, and. Uh, but but it means that you're propelled by that sort of insecurity to keep yourself busy. And I've ne I've never, and I know there are performers, and, I, and actually I, I think this has stood me in good stead. I was never at school and college, I was never the obvious one. I was never the one that, you know, drama teachers tend to fall in love with exciting drama students who are, uh, uh, you know, very, very confident and good looking and all that. And there's always a sort of obvious one. And I was never that one. Right, uh, but and I felt as a result of that, I I sort of had to work harder and prove myself a little bit more. So uh, I think I've always been a good company member, and I've always, uh, you know, I've always gone gone the extra mile, and I've always crucially created my own work because nobody was ever, yeah, I I never had that thing that it, that that meant you could just stroll in somewhere and people would, you know, 
give the give you the easy job or pr promote you or want you to be the star or whatever and um and so because of that i think i've always i've always had quite a I mean, it's self-preservation, really. I've created my own work just in case nobody else is prepared. <laughs> uh, and that's always kept me quite busy. And I have always, I mean, I didn't realise quite how busy I was until I consciously slowed down in the past sort of year or so just uh, and, and allowed myself to have time off. And lo and behold, the momentum didn't stop and I didn't suddenly stop being employed. And people, you know, I always felt, oh, God, if you don't take everything. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, nothing's going to happen. Well, in fact, I've, I've not taken quite a lot. And then still, you know, the day before somebody go, oh, we need something for this. And then I can sort of go, oh, well, I will. Or no, actually, I was looking forward to a day off, so I won't. But, you know, I, I, I'm still fortunate that um, there's enough, you know, I, I, I guess I've managed to do enough different things in different fields. I guess because I've got, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that my, my big love for Doctor Who um, means that um, there's, you know, my hobby has become a part of my um, work life as well. And there's Doctor Who related things I can do, and and um, and 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 I've always sort of, you know, if I'm interested in something, I'm a bit of a geek, and I, and I'm, I suspect I've, you know, I'm somewhere on the wrong side of the spectrum. Um, that that that. You know, if I'm into something, I'm really, really into it, and, and yeah. go the extra mile. But that 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 means that um, that um, I get creative with it, and I do things with it. So I wrote a show about Doctor Who, and I, you know, when when actors that I like died, if they they didn't have an obituary in the Guardian, I'd ring the Guardian and say, "You should be doing an obituary for them," and they'd go, "Well, you can do it." And now the Guardian come to me, so that's another little part of my you know mosaic of a career is that you know if an actor who was on telly in the 70s dies the chances are i'll write the guardian a bit and i you know i like doing that and i take pride in doing that and it's something nice to do for people that entertained me when i was living in the middle of the countryside and not you know youngest of four kids and sort of had to make my own my own pleasure and that was largely you know watching old telly and particularly doctor who so all that stuff uh, sort of generated different revenue streams but it's it's not stuff that's that initially came to me I had to sort of generate it and I guess I generated enough different things that um uh, uh and I'm lucky I guess that I can I can write and I I can perform and and, and I've got a decent uh, voice so I do voiceovers and radio presenting and stuff and, and yeah. there's just enough enough bits and bobs here that I there's always something to do yeah so I'm, I'm very lucky in that, and, and particularly in that oh, I've got loads of I mean, I've got loads of um, uh, feelings of disappointment about various things that I would have liked to have done or that I would like to have done better and all of, of that sort of thing. But I've also been very lucky in the, uh, uh, that there's been a lot of variety uh, in the things that I do um, that, that I, you know, and I, and I know um, that for, for, for a lot of people, you know, one of the boring things about earning a living is this, you know, having to do the same thing or be answerable to the same people. You know, if I come across a job I don't particularly like doing, I'll just go, well, I won't do that again or I won't work right, with those right. people again or or whatever. I've been, very, I've been very lucky, but that doesn't mean I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how would that bring, sorry, it brings up a, a sort of a, a couple of points then from what you were saying there. How would you describe yourself if someone said, what do you do? Would you say 
you're a writer first and foremost? Would you say you're a comedian first and foremost? I, I say actor, writer, and comedian. Uh, so you say uh, all of them, yeah. Chuck them all out there, yeah. And that, and that scans better, although actually, probably in terms of, you know, for the past six months, it's. I would think it's probably the other way around in terms of um, which of those things I've done more. Uh, I mean, my, my, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to carry on being an actor um, had I not been a comedian as well. I've got, you know, I've got actor friends that, you know, drop out of the business because they have to get, again, in inverted commas, proper jobs. The beauty of being a comedian is, um, uh, you know, that, that you know, you're not tied down to certain things and, and, and you can always, if you get an audition, you can pull a gig if, if, if they clash um etc etc in a way that if you you know if you have to get a regular job it's it's harder to make those auditions or or have three weeks off to do a play or have a couple of days off to do a bit of telly you know whereas as a stand-up as your own boss yeah uh, you can and it's a bit the same as waiting on tables you know it was great when i was waiting on tables when i was much much younger because you had that sort of flexibility but but that's not a job that you can that's you don't get you know when I was waiting on tables, everyone was around my sort of age, you know, early 20s and that sort of thing. As time goes on, it's that's not a job that's necessarily conducive to sort of settling down and having kids and all of that sort of thing. And I know there are exceptions to that rule, but, but people tend to get a more sort of regularly, more regimented job to fit around family life. Um, whereas I was, I was very you know, fortunate that I didn't have to uh, do that. So I've juggled them all. And um, when you're doing one, you always start getting a bit nostalgic for the other one uh, of course. and I always sort of rather resisted writing because I found it hard and and I think I I felt I preferred the the free song of you know that that direct response you get from from an audience and from performing but I have to say the writing has gone very well in the past few years and I'm I'm, I'm deliberately sort of trying to do a bit more of that now and stay at home because I like is that in the garden <laughs> What is is that generally um, writing for radio then? I know you've done a few bits, haven't you, for for Radio Four and Four Extra, and it, yeah, uh, is that what you're generally working on at the moment? Uh, no, I'm hoping to. I've, I've just uh, I, I'm now with a very good writing agent who. Um, I saw your Twitter update on that the other day. Yeah, to say yeah, that you'd uh, got them is- now. Which is beautiful, which is which is great because I've always done the writing uh, by accident, and I always feel very bad about it because I've got friends who are proper writers who've never been near Radio Four, and I've had what five, six plays on Radio Four that all yeah. sort of all you know all just seem to sort of happen in a way that I guess I, as an actor, see you know people who've got no acting background at all sort of just wander into a plum job and go, yeah, it was just easy. I just didn't even. <laughs> Dave. So yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was I, fixing I, the photocopier in the office. And yeah. Said, Do you so, want to so be, be, be the lead? Yeah. I'm aware <laughs> that you know that that you know with with the writing that I've been that guy in terms of I did a one man show that um, got a bit of traction and this person at the BBC liked it and and then when she became a BBC producer she badgered me to write something because she liked my sort of sense of humour and what I did so uh, we you know it took a while and then I did a play uh, and and she you know and I'd been sort of submitting what I thought were Radio 4 sort of plays and she said no what's 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 not working here is that it's you're you're giving me Radio 4 plays the reason I want to work with you is because I want what's a Toby Haydoke play and I went oh god I, I don't know 
maybe my dad died and he was actually an alien. And she went, yeah, that's the sort of thing I was after. Uh, and I wrote this play and it, it got nominated for an award and it did this and it just sort of snowballed from there. But it, it certainly wasn't the sort of painful process that I know some people have to try and get, even get somebody to read their bloody work. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know how, how lucky I was, but I still sort of resist. <laughs> resisted it and because partially because I felt sort of slightly ashamed to go well I'm not really a proper writer I know I've got friends who are proper writers you know and I never had a and, and actually I again like the the thing at, uh, when I was at school and college where I never seemed to impress the people who, who really mattered I, I, I you know I do these uh, these plays and they'd get nominated for awards and do a, and then I'd write to writing agents and think well you know I've just I've got all these great reviews this award blah 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 and I wouldn't hear back from any no. I think well, perhaps it is that hard then. Or, or, uh, but I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm the guy that doesn't impress the right people. So I never. So whilst doing all of this, I never had a writing agent, and I'd look at people who'd never had anything commissioned again with writing agents. Go. So what do I? What do I? Have? <laughs> I'm just perhaps I'm just a spectacularly unimpressive person. So even though all the writing went well, I still sort of felt well. I'm obviously not all that because nobody even nobody even reply. I get a Sony nomination. Nobody replies to my emails. Oh, and and um, you, you'd think you know as you're on that that route and going through right. the years, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, you I, always I, think like, oh, if I get that, then exactly. that's going to open. That's the key to this door, and then well, you get no, there, it, and it's I the wrong key. Because <laughs> I never even considered that I'd be nominated for for a Sony. And in fact, the first thing I did. Sony nomination then the Sony's stopped happening and it was replaced by the BBC Audio Drama Awards which are the same thing pretty much right got, and the next one I did got nominated for one of those and you go well so I've, uh, and I wouldn't have considered that I would even be close to getting anywhere near either and I got down to the last three in both and so you go well I wasn't expecting that but now that it's happened surely this will mean something and open a door and it didn't open any uh, <laughs> But and, and but I used to be very furious and I did that sort of thing. I go, oh God, the world's against me. As I got older, you realise that the world isn't against you. It just doesn't give a shit about you. And that if anything happens that you don't like, it's not because the world is sticking two fingers up at you. It's just looking somewhere else. And yeah. uh, I've, as I've got older, I've got less furious, and I think it's a valuable lesson. And um, I just sort of kept going. Well, and I enjoy doing the plays and don't look to get anything out of it and just keep plodding along. And then a series of accidents happened this you know this past six months and again i'd had two plays on last year that both did really well i wrote to everybody i got nothing back and thought well you know that's that opportunity has failed because they're off i player now so nobody can listen to them and, and i failed to capitalize upon that again oh god uh, this is yeah and then i've had not i haven't had anything on the radio in the past two weeks and yet i've, I've just been taken on by one of the biggest writing agents in the world um by a series of sort of so all that stuff that was frustrating in the past is part of that accumulation that got me to that point. Right. But it actually happened at a point when I wasn't expecting it and, and through a slightly indirect route and through somebody saying something in the right ear and something happened here. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a sign that instead of consciously sort of constantly looking at what's not working or why this isn't happening and, oh, that's a missed opportunity – actually an opportunity can come from when you're least expecting it so just keep doing doing what you're doing and um and not get, and try not to be angry because i spent too much time being angry it was an absolute waste of time uh, i mean that I yeah have... that 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 was the point i was, was going to make from what you were saying there almost do you think then that because there seems to be in we're sort of grouping all those kind of creative 
genres again or that you know those arts together aren't we a bit you know with the acting the writing the the comedy but it kind of helps for the for the uh, flow of the conversation I think to do that in that you seem to get some people that have this meteoric rise and kind of I don't know like they un- you go back to that door again you know they immediately they they know that bloody passcode to get through it or something yeah. you know yeah. or, or they it's almost someone hands them the key whatever it, it might be but then very often you see those people that have that huge rise big hit very early on followed by wilderness years of you know well bloody hell i was the the number one comedian in the country or i was on tv every night or you know i was getting all this stuff made and all of a sudden now it's no one's answering the phone and i guess the the flip of that is the people that through continued effort by carrying on that because there's not many that get picked and plucked is there in the kind of the first yeah. thing they write or the first thing they do that that a big secret to the success in this business does seem to be keep bloody going like you've just said sticking around and it's interesting i mean i've always had that slightly fatalistic view so you know the minute i got signed up by this age you go god but what if in a year's time i've not got any commissions and they drop me then i'll have to look for another agent and you go oh come on enjoy enjoy the (laughs) fucking moment and the phone call toby where they're telling you (laughs) yeah before (laughs) and don't say this out loud to them keep that internal yeah but i i but i because i think i've well i I mean, I, th- I think if I do ever have a great success, it's it will never go to my head. I, I like to think of the many um, sort of negative aspects of my personality. I, if, 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 if tomorrow it all falls into place and I'm, you know, doing high profile, high quality work with, you know, with lots of plaudits and uh, being surrounded by all the cool people, I, I will still be going... Yeah, but they're going to find me out in a minute, and I'll be out on my ear. So I, I think I will. Ne- I will never be a martinet swanning around going, "This is what I deserve," because I've always sort of thought I'm slightly getting away. With well, not that I'm slightly getting away with it, because that's disingenuous to go. Because I think I'm awful. I, I, you know, I obviously must have. There must be something in me that thinks I'm good at what I do. Otherwise, I, I, I wouldn't do it. But uh, I'm, I'm aware of the high casualty rate of this profession and i have no reason to see why i shouldn't be one of those people um but it means so it means i never take it for granted you know um and and and, and always you know work hard if if always at the last minute yeah it, it it is such a strange beast isn't it because it's the the addiction i guess to performing and and creating and there is a you know there's a i've got that myself it's why i'm still i'm doing these podcasts you know i don't do stand up anymore but i'm constantly what you know always having something that i'm is my new thing my new addiction when it comes to whether it's trying my hand at writing or making podcasts or doing the comedy but then at the same time as as almost i don't know hating it as well yeah well to a sense you know it's odd isn't it i think it's been thrown into sharp focus in the in the past five or six years or so and it's and it's interesting because I, I I think there's there's very much with any sort of performance or artistic expression there is that you know seeking seeking the affirmation of strangers which is a peculiar thing to do and I'm sure you can delve into the into the psyche of that is what what is it about us that what are we looking for that that makes us feel better because people we don't know say that something we've done is good but that of course also goes hand in hand and it's much more so now with 
Twitter and you know I, I'm some very successful friends who you know do, do are doing amazing and brilliant work who still get absolutely cut to the quick and ruined by somebody on Twitter going you're shit or you're ugly or whatever and and even though it's just some trolling stranger whose life is probably not so great either the fact that somebody's prepared to go out of the way to do that to you is extremely hurtful whether you've got nine baftas and a million quid in the bank or not um but 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 even you know but it's still but the nine the nine baftas and the million quid don't insulate you from that you're still the same person who would be hurt by that when somebody said something similar on the playing fields when you were eight so you know no amount of success actually um solves that issue that yeah we like the affirmation of strangers but we're, we're we're deeply hurt when strangers go out of their way to say something cruel it's not just that they're saying something cruel about you it's that it's as i say that somebody would actually take the time to do that to you and you go god really um um but i i, I am i am c curious about this 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 thing that we have, which I don't think is healthy, which is to seek the affirmation of of of, uh, uh, of other people that we don't know, um, because uh, because that way it doesn't you you're not you're not going to get it always, and also when you do, it's not going to make you any happier. So no, uh, I'm 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 a, 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 and I and I and I uh, yes, I'm at a sort of curious phase where I'm going. Oh gosh, everything I've been doing for the past twenty-five year, years that I thought was this, the 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 key to satisfaction is actually the key to satisfaction is not giving a shit what other people think or being yeah. relaxed about the fact that people who are out there who will say horrid things. I mean, I've been largely lucky on social media because I mean, I don't stick my head above the parapet and I I don't say anything controversial um and, and so i you know i've i've, I've been okay but uh, i still get sort of uh, uh, upset by injustice when i see people being cruel to other people or when i there's a there's a casual bit of anti-socialness that somebody bestows upon you when you're on a bus or walking to the park but it's it's actually the secret to happiness is is to just is to is to think well what are those people going through that that they have to manifest their insecurities in that way and again it's it's actually nothing to do with you it's it's more about them so well, and, as, yeah. as performers and creators we, we should really be performing and creating for ourselves and hoping enough people like it but that's a that's a good lesson in in actually and actually it's a good lesson for for a stand-up is that you know I, I started doing better at clubs like the Frog and Bucket say, which is a great club, but you, you have to master it. I got better when instead of going, I'll go on and give the audience what I think they want, and I don't think they want to hear a, a rather middle-class man like me, is in fact, so I'd sort of rough up my voice a little bit and try and be a bit sort of rougher, to, because, I mean, what a patronising thing to, 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 be, to, to, to behave. But I, I, won't clean, I won't clean my shoes this evening, darling. I, well, I'm off to the... But when I actually went on and went, oh, no, I am this middle class wanker. And in fact, I'm a heightened version of that. But I'm also therefore bulletproof because I've already said all the things against me that you want to say. And I've said them in a funnier way. And I've said them against myself. 
they're all great weapons to have as a as a comedian in that situation. And I found I I would do much better, you know, because you were because instead of second guessing the audience and giving them what you thought they wanted, you just did what you wanted to do and made them come to you. But it took a long time to learn that as a stand up. Yeah, it's what what made you kind of head towards comedy then? And and I I was sort of leading up to chatting to you today, obviously like prepping a few questions and doing some some reading. And you're lucky, most of your Wikipedia I think is correct. Um normally there's a few like wiki landmines that have been left there for interviewers, I think mainly to uh, you know, present someone with a question about something that is absolute bullshit you know that never happened to them and kind of ruins the mood but yours seems to be fairly accurate but I was trying to imagine you as an open spot and I do mean this as a compliment don't take it the wrong way but I can't ever imagine you as being an open spot really yeah it's just sort of and I I do I mean that as a compliment just because I, I don't know your 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 style your your nature the way that you you know, are able to talk. And obviously, I'm sure this is something that you've developed and, you know, learned and honed. And like you said, at times, Frog and Bucket decided to, you know, let's go in there and just admit who I am and be open. It's probably been a part of the secret of finding yourself, you know, when, when it came to performing. But what what was it that led you to sort of walk up to the microphone the first time? Well, I was always a bit of a... I always liked comedy and I like... I, I, but I always thought... You know, I, I never considered being a stand-up when when I, you know, was considering being an actor and writing. And you know, I, I thought well, I could I could be an actor, but I th- I thought it, it was a, a completely different creature who could be a stand-up comedian. And and that there was, you know, there was no way I would ever uh, have that sort of makeup because being an actor is is sort of about hiding behind a character and 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 you know, understanding other people enough to replicate what they do or to, to, you know, to show, show their emotions through, a, through, a, you know, through a mask or to, or to, uh, you know, and, and, to, and mimicry and, and, and assuming a different character and all of those sorts of things, which are acting is sort of hiding in plain sight. Whereas comedy, although, you know, there is still artifice to it and you still, you know, you plaster on a smile and pretend you're having a great time, even when you're going through a divorce, which, you know, I've done, uh, on stage, although actually it can be quite cathartic too. If you're in a really, you know, it can be a heightened version of how you feel, and actually, yeah, that that truth pours out, and you can see it. People do go along with it. They 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 like the truth more than they like artifice. Actually, um, uh, 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 but I, 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 a friend, the, the the short answer, and the, there won't be many this evening. I'm sorry, I do go on. Uh, <laughs> the uh, was that at university, a friend of mine said, uh, I'm doing a stand-up night, do you want to have a go? And as I say, I, I, I mean, I, I taped Whose Line Is It Anyway and watched it over and over again religiously, so I didn't even watch that. And I watched Saturday Live and, you know, the Ben Elton's stand-up on Saturday Live and right. uh, and all of that was was a great... But again, it, that seems so so beyond one's ability, whereas I was more drawn to sort of Stavros and Harry Enfield because that was a sort of character, that was an acting. Uh, yeah. But the idea of sort of directly talking to an audience. But I thought I'd have a bash. I was at university. I had nothing tied. I, I, I actually got a bit of a swagger about going. We go, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a bit of stand up because it seems so, you know, rock and roll. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but I never did it with any intention of it of it being a a, a, 
my career at all. Um, and the first gig, a load of friends of mine piled in and um, were very supportive. I was very lucky. I had I had good friends at you know university who were very supportive of me and very kind uh, in many ways and um uh and it went well and because it went well um you know i went back for more mm-hmm. that bloody that, bloody f- first gig going yeah. well trick isn't it and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and i you know <laughs> i wonder i wonder what would have happened if it if it if it hadn't but uh you know that was that was that was a long time ago and i'm still doing it so i must have done something right but i i sort of constantly feel i'm i'm honest i'm getting away with it um and that's not disingenuous but then also i have to sort of go yeah but i know you know i can control a difficult room and i know i'm a, uh you know i i well i know i know all the things i can do otherwise people wouldn't have paid me money to do it but i still yeah uh, uh, but there is still also part of me that that looks at other comics and goes well yeah but they're bloody bulletproof you know i'll never be like them um, but I'm sure they equally go, oh, you know, they, they have their own insecurities. We all have our own insecurities that we, that we, that we take along with us. And we... So, yeah, so it's a, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm aware um, that I suppose having done, done it this long, I must be able to do it. But uh, I, I, I also... I also don't have any sort of expectation or entitlement uh, feelings of either of those things. Was your style very different? Has it has it kind of morphed much over the years? Yeah, I think I've grown into. I think. I mean, I'm better now than I than I've ever been. I think. And I. I mean, I think. You know, I I, I was never going to be Romeo, but I'd probably be a good Falstaff, and I would say the same. With uh, with with stand up, I think I was probably very studenty. Um, I also thought there was honour in um, being political and hard hitting, and 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 I think you have to be really good to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think I'm better at being self deprecating and furious about truth. I think I'm funny when I'm furious about trivia um than i am when i'm righteously indignant uh you know i think there's something about a vaguely sort of scruffy um middle class middle-aged man being indignant about um cheese and what it does to you um digestive yeah what so there is about the apartheid regime in south africa in the <laughs> You know. I, I've what uh, something that stuck with me, and like you know, it's been many years since I've been on the circuit, so this is something I would have seen you doing when we were gigging together somewhere, or maybe MC and I think so. It it it's good because it's, it's stuck with me for at least minimum ten years, basically. Um, it, and the, maybe a good example of that was I don't know if this is something you did regularly or or just riffed on that night was about uh, Carol Vorderman doing the adverts for. Um, you know, loans and all those yes. kind of things, and then it, that sort of led into this wonderful skit on on Countdown and linking it into Countdown and oh, and, gosh, and that yeah. kind of thing as well. Oh, I haven't done that piece for years. That was a yeah, and that 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 was a piece that could um, get a big round. Uh, the 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 board, and I I was particularly furious about about I have to you have to be careful though because 
there have been people I've done rude jokes about that I've subsequently met and worked with who've turned out to be delightful and I've felt really bad. It's <laughs> uh, not happened with Miss Borderman, who I know. Uh, You'll meet her and she'll say, so obviously I gave all that money to the, you know, the homeless yes. puppy foundation or something and that's the only reason I did it. And uh, went, oh, I'm sorry. It's it <laughs> the fact that she used the fact that she was good at maths to, to, to advertise a loan company that targeted people who would have been at their lowest ebb and actually the long-term thing would be to get them into worse and more debt and also she her party piece was to go and chat to those and say that Shakespeare was boring so those two things yeah who capitalized upon you know being very intelligent well I think there is a difference between being very good at maths and being sort of emotionally intelligent and not a philistine and I, I found it quite philistinistic to 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 you know, to parade your, your math skills, but actually have no sort of societal intelligence or circumspection or anything like that. And to, and, and to use her influence to um, denigrate Shakespeare. I know I sounded quite <laughs> saying that, but this, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to put you in the, the mindset of me at the time, but particularly the, the I'm good at maths, get yourself further into debt thing. So she, she, uh, uh, she was, a, and I had one line about that actually in my Doctor Who show that was, uh, I think a, a funny line. It was it was something like I I stuck out like a sore thumb. I I stuck out like Carol Vorderm at a at a meeting about ethics and advertising, which right. is a, is a which is a lovely line and, and made the same point as I did in my stand up set where I spent ten minutes calling her awful things. Yeah, um, uh, and it, and it, that was sort of yeah that was a bit sort of righteously in, indignant. And there is a place for that. Um, I I. I sort of think I grew out of it, and I don't mean that that, that that means it's a childish thing to do. I think I'm better suited to doing other things, and again, I think I'm less, as I get older, I, 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 try, I try not to target individuals because I, I largely think we're all just trying to get through the world as best we can. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really interesting point you make there, though, because it's what, comedy at the moment much like much of society is almost in, in in a sticky patch it it would potentially seem for you know themes that people can have and uh, and and things to, that you know can be joked about and and talked about it's the I'll, I'll get on my soapbox for a, a moment here good thing is i can edit it, it out and then sound really intelligent at the end of <laughs> making my point even when i waffle on but it's um you know it's it, it does seem really difficult for what do comedians do at the moment? Do they kind of embrace the political situation? Do they try and still go for, you know, whimsy almost, you know, and sort of ignore things and head in that direction? It's what are the, what you're out there, obviously, every every week and at Excess Malarkey. What, what do you, how are comedians approaching it? What's like the in style well, for that at the moment it's actually difficult because the thing you're alluding to you say oh it's difficult for comedians to do this but the people that are making it difficult now is the comedy circuit itself which is sort right. of um almost eating itself with, with because when when i was emerging on the circuit the comedy circuit was still at the back end very much at the back end but we were we were the inheritors of 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 the of the of the crown of people who were uh, who had uh, made an impact by rebelling against the orthodoxy, which was uh, 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 the the mainstream circuit as we call it now, the working men's clubs, where um, 
uh, you know, the, the people often swapped material, so a, a comedian's material was not their own, and that was something that was verboten in uh, in the alternative circuit. I'm using yeah. more terminology now, but it's just to differentiate. Um, yeah, of course. And, you know that on our circuit, you know, if you stole somebody else's material, that was that was a terrible thing. But that wasn't that wasn't the mainstream circuit's worst. Uh, uh, aspect. Its worst aspect was that it was sexist and racist, and and it punched down. Although that that phrase hadn't come into parlance particularly. Yeah, it, it was it was it's racist and sexist, and we don't do that anymore. And so so we all came from a place where we all knew that we were right uh, because we were decent and we weren't racist and we weren't sexist, and we often told jokes about racism and sexism uh, and, and undermined them or, or showed how stupid that they were, and and we were perfectly happy. You know, taking the Mickey out of the royal family and the church, and, and, and Christians were fair game because Christians repre- were represented by the church, and so we were punching up. Um, but but now it's 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 very different because you say uh, you, you know it's quite it was fine to take the piss out of religion because religion was Christianity and that was established and and, and Christianity was hypocritical because they talk about morality but but priests molest boys and all of that sort of thing. But now. If you want to take the mickey out of religion, yeah, you can. Ah, oh, what if it's Islam? Ah, oh, well, no, because then that's got a racial element to it, and then, and then you're being racist, so you have to be careful with that. Um, okay, well, I'll take the piss out of homophobia then, because because the mainstream circuit used to be homophobic, and we don't do yeah. that. Well, let's take the mickey out of that. Actually, what's one of the areas where homophobia is rife? Oh, well, it's in Islam. Uh, oh, yeah, but you can't, you can't take. So then suddenly, the where 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 where. Which are the minorities that you can criticise, and which are the ones that you can't? And I'm I'm not sure I, I I know the answer because I have no I have no desire to take the Mickey out of uh, uh, any Islam or is or Muslims because I worry about racism, and I know Muslim, Islam isn't a race, but we do for better or worse and for right or wrong associate Islam with members of you know um, a particular ethnic groups um, and so therefore if you are going to do that it does have that slight connotation and I sort of always slightly mistrust somebody that does jokes or is mean about uh, Islam or Muslims because I but, sort of go yeah, yeah are you do you actually mean brown people but then somebody go but Toby you were happy to take the mickey out of Christianity so I, I think that you yeah you, and you, then you, I you, hold my hands up and go there is a dilemma there and I don't know what the answer is I, but I, I think you, yeah you you sort of flicked a, a switch in my brain then when you were saying that. I think I think that's part of the difference, though, isn't it? It's I would be quite happy ma- making jokes and defending the right of people to make jokes about people within their own ethnic group. Maybe it's the thing of when it's outside of that, when you because you're speaking of something so far removed, where normally it's coming the kind of comedians that would do jokes about. Islam and Muslims and um, you know you know those those kind of areas are so far removed from those areas it's clearly only coming from a, a place of ignorance well and well, and well, you know and, and indeed and that's why you so that's why it's, it's great that the circuit is, has become much more di- diverse and that's and I'll I use you know trans trans the, the issue of trans is a very interesting one because I've seen so many uh, sort of middle-class 
straight white guys like me going on and going well and, and trying to work out what their stance on trans issues is that now whenever anybody does it and i've tried to do it as a compa you know you always try and talk about the issues de jour and i've never found any decent material about it really because i certainly don't want to have a go at anybody but you try you try to say so what 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 do i feel about this or how and actually i've decided what i feel about this is what is i don't really know uh, and the reason i don't know is because it, it's a subject i'm largely quite ignorant of so i should shut the fuck up about it and yeah exactly talking about it on stage are the people who have some insight into it the people that have some insight into it are generally people from the trans community and they should be the ones leading the conversation now that doesn't mean that uh, uh that there won't be disagreements and there won't be there might not be i might not agree with everything i hear but the fact is i should shut up and listen first and i get quite uncomfortable now when i see another comic who's a bit like me get up and go now you see the thing about uh, uh transgender issues is and you go i go i don't i'm not yeah i don't want you i don't need I, your opinion on that and because because i don't because i know that the uncomfortable way i'm feeling now isn't gonna be negated by a really good joke that you're coming up with because i haven't seen anybody come up with one yet um so we we live in interesting to, but but also i'm 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 very cautious of the liberal left of which i consider myself a member because there's a censoriousness um which comes from the fact that i think we've always thought we were right and known we were right because we were on the side of the angels there's a censoriousness now that comes from that being convinced that we're right with quite nuanced and difficult subjects and also the fact that actually we in 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 the in the media and in the cultural sphere are probably ascendant and probably in more of a position of power than somebody who who you know doesn't give a monkeys about those issues and doesn't want to hear about them and just wants a bit of escapism on a night out uh, 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 or or for whatever reasons has not been exposed um to, to the uh, you, you know the, <sighs> we the, we we have a we have, there's a, there's a danger there's a danger that anybody even you know questioning things or wanting to have those conversations um you know i'm not i'm not a fan of pitchforks and i'm uh, uh, burning torches and and, and deplatforming and i see most of that being done from people on my political side and that is that worries me more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a very good point. Because I thought, used to. yeah, I've thought about this a lot recently, and that because you've now got the the other side, the right, or you know, to the extremes of the far right as well, they're now the ones who are claiming that their freedom of speech, that their yeah. rights, uh, you know, to freedom of speech are, are being, you know, impinged and and you know, not they're not allowed to say what they want anymore. Well, if it's hypocrisy isn't it because if anyone would be ending freedom of speech it would be the right that would be doing that and it would be the left that would be arguing to the bitter end about how everyone has got the absolute freedom of speech but it i think well, it's so it's I, so I difficult for the for the left to encapsulate it i think i think there's some victim of communist regimes that might disagree with you i think right. i think the problem is extremes meet meet in the middle you know and actually it's not left or right it's power it's those it, it's those who feel in enough control and and power and certainty 
they're the ones you need to be scared of, the ones who are certain. Uh, you know, the, the, the Daleks are scary is because they absolutely believe they are right. Um, yeah. It's that the ones that allow for nuance and, and the fact that their way may not be 100% perfect, but it's the best way that they found of, you know, a lot of, you know, not every Brexiteer is, is, is an, it, 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 you know, the mistake that's been made in the public discourse is, is an ignorant racist. A lot of Brexiteers, probably the vast majority, are people who've decided that the best way they think we can negotiate through our lives is, is, is that. And it's, yeah. it's not because they have any hatred for foreigners or, or any of that sort of thing. And, 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 and our, our, the caricature we give of people that disagree with us uh, in order to vilify them and in order to to make us feel better because the people that disagree with us must be beyond the pale because if they're beyond the pale then it means that we are right and we are righteous actually it's all a lot more nuanced than that um but i think we can we can we create monsters to make ourselves feel better and to reassure ourselves of our own righteousness um whereas actually most things are much more complicated than that and you need to you need to um, uh, 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 boil them down a little bit more and be uh, and 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 you know respect and compromise on all of those sorts of things are uh, 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 much healthier ways of 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 going about things and we we seem to have lost our ability to do that but it's not just as I felt maybe twenty years ago uh, and maybe it was where you know the right were fearsome and terrifying and, and bad uh, because I see some some pretty bad things being done on on both sides yeah true i had a, a good chat with um simon evans recently and um inevitably we got around to speaking about um brexit and current political scenes as well um and it, to be fair you know not uh, an individual and I, I told him as well during the conversation you know where i would myself agree with his political stance on on quite a few things you know and the, and the way that he decides to present some elements but but he did make a point which not even begrudgingly you know but but where as you've just said the the danger of the situation is that that too much gets shut down and that there's not any equality on on both sides of the argument anymore because he was talking about how his audience is predominantly 50 60 70 year olds who come to his shows and not to say that because you're old you're allowed to think whatever you want and you're allowed to think bad things but and, and he obviously wasn't saying he's going into his gigs and, and being that controversial but he represents and because he's a member of that age group of, of, of you know those generations as well there's certain topics that he he talks about and opinions and, and political you know which are, are more common there you know and that's what he finds kind of marks him out on the circuit at the moment and where now and again he's, he's ostracized is because well he's representing these people you know and having a conversation with with those people and talking about stuff more in line with how 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 they feel and you yeah you're right I, the danger is isn't it that you start to shut down so many conversations and and so many viewpoints yes if it's racist yes if it's homophobic yes if it's you know, as, as you mentioned before, people talking about subjects that, you know, it, there's comedians that are transsexual, let them talk about it, you know, yeah. rather than the, the the new open spot who, you know, knew at uni deciding to do to do 20 minutes on him himself. But, yeah, it's it, it's getting that balance right, isn't it? And obviously we've seen 
in the press over the last 24 hours that the situation that Joe Brand's got herself into as well, I guess, is yeah, yeah, is kind but, of linked to this. But you see, uh, uh, but what's happened there is a lot of people who don't like Joe Brand because she's left wing uh, have been saying, well, she should be fired by the BBC, who are exactly the same people who, God knows, not long ago, uh, w- w- when somebody they like did a joke, was going, oh, it's just a joke. We should just be allowed to joke. But the, but both sides are culpable in this because the left can be terribly censorious. Uh, about stuff that's obviously a joke. Uh, and now that somebody on the left have done somebody something that was obviously a joke, you can't really blame the right for now using it as an, uh, to have a go at two things they don't like. One, Joe Brand, the left-wing comedian, and two, the BBC, the, the, you know, the public service institution that they see as having a liberal and, and, and left-wing agenda and, and something that is you know, uh, a, 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 an example of something that is you know, an, anti-capitalist just by its very nature because mm-hmm. it's a subsidised news and entertainment um, service that has, uh, you know, a remit to inform, educate and entertain and, and be subsidised for doing so, whereas they want, you know, entertainment and news to become from a free market model. My argument against that would be if your news comes from a free market model, then uh, the news that uh, is, you know, is, is sexy and palatable and perhaps less truthful uh, is, is always uh, more purchasable than, than that that uh, is under an obligation by its own standards to be as objective as uh, uh, and rigorous as, as possible. Um, yeah, um, but, you know, I can understand the argument for the free market model, but I, I reject it and I don't, nec- I don't entirely trust the motives of the people who want to get rid of the BBC, but it is a plausible argument. Um, yeah. And they're going to use that to undermine that because the, the censorious left has... has you know, heaped tons on something that's obviously somebody misspeaking or doing a joke or, you know, taking stuff out of context. I think if you take something out of context in which to crucify somebody, you're, you know, the, 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 the crucifixion has been, has been uh, uh, justified on, on, on very shaky, uh, on a very shaky premise, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, not that I would ever defend this, this chap obviously, but you know, the point that you make there about it, it being, done both ways although you know Nigel Farage is an absolute arsehole and a, a tosser obviously um, and that's okay to say <laughs> but you know he's obviously come out attacking Joe Brand and the BBC on this and and again the hypocrisy of someone who's been on question time as many times as he has even yeah. though never being voted into a PM so he's quite uh, MP's position so he's obviously very happy to to take the paycheck and you know to go along to those to those gigs but then at the same time to say we should get get rid of them and you know he's obviously saying how dare joe brand say about throwing you know lit taking it absolutely literally by her word of yeah. yes she does mean that you should throw it. she's telling people she's literally handing people bottles of, of battery acid to, to throw at mps when when he himself has said that he would take arms and take to the streets you know yeah. to to see brexit through and to make sure it happens you know whereas Obviously, you know, then he's challenged on that. And, oh, no, I didn't mean literally that you should get a gun and, <laughs> you yeah. know, to defend Brexit. It's, yeah, it's as you say, it's the, the mud slinging. The, the danger is that everyone will keep their heads so low, but, you know, behind that parapet that, well, I don't know, I, what, what will we be left with? That's why I do jokes about doing my back and not being able to put socks on anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, 
It's it's not worth the hassle. <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem with socks, Toby? What have they ever done uh, to you? <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's just that I can't put them on without something to lean on anymore. Well, that that will be the headline from this interview. But Toby <laughs> Toby Haydock says all socks should be. Yeah, Toby Haydock wants everyone to have bare feet and wear sandals or, or something like that. That's how I'll, I'll be able to package that one. Um, no, it, it, it's such a fascinating area, though, isn't it? And it's um, a, a study in itself at the moment. And it's, I guess it's just making sure and, you know, you're you're out on the, the front line as such, you know, and able to, I guess, well, at least in your own material, influence things as well. Um and I've realised we've been speaking for much longer than I said we would, so I do apologise right. for that. Uh, you mean going on? Well, I have, haven't I? <laughs> you've, you've got a, a way to go. Craig Campbell spoke to me for three hours. Oh, blimey. Yeah, um, but good old Craig, I do uh, do love him to bits. When yeah. he gets going on a, on a rant, then it's, uh, yeah, I made a few cups of coffee and, and then I... come back, and it's like, oh, he's still going, oh, that's, I'll fetch a biscuit as well. Bless him. Um, no, it was fantastic speaking to him. But um, uh, over to excess malarkey. What what keeps you doing that? How how long have you been there for? And how do you keep keep uh, running one gig for that long? Excess malarkey has been going. Will be have good been going for twenty two years in September. Uh, like anything, I thought it would probably last for about eight weeks. Um, uh and and we've you know lost a few venues along the way and had to move and but by the time you know we lost our first venue uh uh we'd got enough of an infrastructure and uh, and a following and a reputation that people came with us and i mean it, it used to be that i booked it i did the offstage announcement i did the posters i, I, I you know i did the, i was a one-man band uh and gradually you know fans who came to see it and enjoyed it um started offering their services and so it's a, you know it's very much it's all run on a sort of voluntary basis and so you know mike mike who does the the, the sound it so he sets up the sound and then there's ros and john who do the door and then ros started to say well you know i'm, I'm really interested in comics and i'm going up to Edinburgh, so would it would it help you if i booked a few of the acts and and i was like yeah because and now she books all of the acts so i don't book it right no, uh, I mean I, I booked it for you know the first 15, 16 years, whatever it was, and uh, uh, I, I mean I used to set the chairs up, and I don't do anything now. I just turn up and do the gig, <laughs> um, uh, but and it's become sort of this sort of self-sufficient um, collective, if you like, and I'm I, I do the fun bit, which is the performing, and uh, and, uh, and and I get the praise, you know. But um, I, I mean I think Ros coming in and and booking it gave it a shot in the arm. Um, yeah because she had a a, a a much wider sort of palette and uh, and also doesn't have that thing of um you know and it, I, I i would i would gig with the acts i gigged with and that and that was of it um uh, uh, and so it was introduced acts that i would perhaps never have seen and acts that are slightly because for years it was very easy when the comedy circuit you know was a license to you know, fill rooms. I mean, we filled them whilst charging fifty p, so we didn't make any money. But uh, but now, you know, it's hard. It's much harder to fill them. So so for a while, we were just like a sort of, you know, we we were like a Tuesday night version of of the comedy store, and you know, the comedy store gets it has the best acts available to it, um, uh, uh, because and, and it, it pays them a very good wage. So, um, but but because you know, the best acts were earning a very good wage, they could afford to then 
you know, do a Tuesday night for not very much money, but but feel they were helping the grassroots of the circuit and they knew they were guaranteed to get a good gig because it was full of people who'd paid a pound who were really grateful they were seeing comedy of that sort of quality. Uh, but actually, we 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 sort of changed um, when when the circuit started to get a bit strangled and uh, and and and, uh, and and being that wasn't working quite so so well or it wasn't what the circuit needed. We sort of went back to our roots and this wasn't really my idea. I was still very conservative in my bookings, I, I, I think. But Ros, you know, would, would would look at acts that perhaps couldn't do a Friday or a Saturday night at a bigger club just because of the nature of, you know, the numbers of people and, and, and the eclecticism and material and all that sort of thing. Which doesn't mean that we're weird and we're strange fruit and we're in a quiet taste. But I, I do think it, it means we we have a slightly more eclectic palette uh, on a Tuesday night in a sort of in a room that looks like a sort of burnt out garage. You know, it's the sort of place the, <laughs> the sort of place the A team used to get locked. And instead, right. of, okay. instead of making a nuclear missile out of a broken down tractor, we make uh, a, a really interesting night of comedy out of sort of di- you know acts acts from dis- disparate sensibilities and a, and a few. And we've always got a bit of a weirdo, and we we're, and we always have a, a you know Ros is always pretty much balances the bill an excess monarchy bill without at least one female performer is unusual an excess yeah. monarchy bill without um somebody um uh from a, a, a an ethnic minority uh, but that's harder actually but 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 um certainly if you look at our bills over the course of the months i think we have a a, a healthier a, a healthier representation than perhaps than perhaps most other places so um, and that's not, um, but that's we don't compromise on on quality, which means Ros works very hard to to source people that are. Good. But we all we also we also have space for ten minutes from somebody who is new uh, and yeah. is open spot. A lot of clubs don't have open spots on their main nights. We always have an open spot on the main night, so that that gives us a bit of a license to, you know, um, give give it a, 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 you know balance the, the bills in, in in that way if we need to. Um, um, so, so I think we're we're providing a good service in in many regards, um, and also, but the bottom line is, it's a really damn good night, and it doesn't cost very much money to get in. Yeah. Um, but we don't, and we don't let the stag do's, we don't let office parties, and we do police it. You know, if you want to come and chat during the acts, you're not going to last long, because I would rather get rid of you than have the twenty people sitting around you go, well, I'm not going there again because we couldn't hear a word the app was saying because these people were talking all night. So we're quite we're quite hard on that. And I do, I do it very nicely from the stage. And if people can't take the hint, you know, it doesn't happen to happen very often. We just go, look, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, know, I think most people seem to get it, though, at Excess, don't they? Because you, you, I think it's you, you've you've clearly got a family now, you could almost describe it as, that, that, that runs the the club yeah. you know and you know that kind of relationship and and people like mike and ross that you mentioned that have been there for years and years helping out now you know yeah. and yeah you know as you said offering their time for nothing and but the audience seemed to very quickly pick up on that as well and and yeah. despite the change of venues and and you well, know some a- some nights live and die by how how the room's laid out or you know that kind of thing but it yeah, seems to have real, sort of transversed that we've got a because actually the, the you know our peak time when we were busiest and and perhaps um, and had some amazing accident or was when we were at remedy which is possibly one of the worst shaped rooms that we had <laughs> right. in the middle 
Um, but it, but we we managed. But this this room we're in now is 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 super. Um, but I th- and, but I think what it is is it's the sort of place that you discover because we don't you know we're not sexy for for advertisers and things like that. So you know you have to sort of find us. And I think there's something about finding a place uh, that is great that not everybody knows about means you as an audience member are a little bit proprietorial. And there's something you know there's nothing better than being able to say to somebody. Oh, I know this place. You, you know, it doesn't cost very much money. You have a brilliant night, uh, blah, 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 blah. and if you're the person that introduces somebody to that, that gives you a certain cachet. So I think we have a bit of that, you know, uh, and, and we're we're the sort of underdog, you know, um, uh, you know. We do so we do very well in the sort of awards. You know, we win awards for best comedy club in the north. Well, you know, I work regularly at the at the comedy store. It's a damn good comedy club. Yes. Yeah really good comedians and you are guaranteed on a friday and saturday night four headline acts uh, who are uh, you know uh, the best working in the country at the moment and a, and a compare as well um uh, of of that ilk so that's five you know of the best acts currently working in the country for your Friday and Saturday night entertainment. Well, that's a good comedy club. The Comedy Store is a brilliant comedy club. And I, yeah. I, I get on very well. And I'm sometimes a bit rueful with Paul, who's the manager, um, because I get on with him very well. And he's been very kind to me. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a regular at the, at the Comedy Store. And just say, you yeah, know, look, we're, I'm sorry, we won again. And it's a, it's a, it is a bit like comparing two totally different things. Of course. But, you know, the, uh, and, I, and I don't think excess is better than the comedy store or vice versa. They are two very different things working in very different fields. And, and I have to be honest, you know, I suspect to most people wanting a night out of comedy, the comedy store is, is, is more what would they would expect than excess. But, yeah. the, but the small, very loyal fan base that excess has are the, are the people that vote in, in awards and competitions and uh, uh, because, because uh, they're really, you know, it's it's a bit like the science fiction thing. You know, Do- Doctor Who's not, uh, you know, a, a countrywide success in America, but that one percent of the American population that love Doctor Who love it so much it fuels it fuels a Doctor Who industry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it, and you know, Manchester is is lucky to have excess malarkey. You know, in the same way that I, you know, I'd, I'd liken it to you know two other almost spiritually uh, well it's under one name but you know like the stand up in scotland you know yeah. in, in glasgow and edinburgh uh equally places that have got this reputation and this you know aura about them for why are the audience always so good why do they always get it why are the staff so nice why are the you know and again they're kind of run a bit like families up there aren't they you know those yeah. venues are up that you know the stand as well is very similar in that that it's comedians sons and daughters who work the door and work behind the barn these days you know who started off gigging there 20 odd years ago themselves well you know all the all the lovely things about excess no 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 comedians paid their mortgage thanks to excess so yeah you you know it exists because it it can because what it can't provide which is a living for people is provided elsewhere you know yeah and uh, I have to be very conscious of that. Uh, it would almost be impossible for you to say, but do you have, I'm sure you'll need to pick out a couple, but kind of acts that have come along that, I don't know, is it right to say the, the proudest or the kind of, you know, sort of really stood out for you as being like, oh my God, they're here. 
Well, I, I know what you're doing. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think any comedy club that says we booked so and so before they were famous, so therefore help them. Well, no, because they help you as well because you've got 15 minutes to fill. It's yeah. a symbiotic relationship. Comedy clubs need acts, but I think the ones we've had special relationships with. I, I mean, I, I think I gave Justin Morehouse his first ever paid gig, uh, and and he's never forgotten that because he's done me far too many favours. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 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 I I like that association with Justin, and I like Justin a lot. And I think he's uh, uh, a, a very good comic, but he's also a very nice man. Um, uh, and uh, so, so so you know the, the fact that you can you can trace Justin's lineage back to our very first venue, Murphy's Scruffy Murphy's in Fallowfield, where he got paid uh, thirty quid. Um, uh, it's interesting the wages have gone up. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that sounds uh, quite uh, lots uh, right. Uh, yes. uh, and also, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I remember Joe Lysett starting out as you know a, a very nice and personable, long-haired sort of a another student type comic, and seeing him, you know, grow into the Joe Lysett that he has become, who is just utterly charming and he embraces that sort of lofty disdain thing that he does that is so wonderful uh, and he's you know he's still the same guy that he was he's just sort of tweaked and grown into his voice or perhaps you know again had the confidence to to do that thing that he he, he didn't do when he started off but um, it's not because he changed it you know I'm not saying it's a it's a bogus or it's a front he just it's just it's growing into your voice and and, I, and because I've you know, seen him since he he, he first started, I, uh, and because Joe is so generous that he comes back and he does gigs for us, and he's always publicly very kind about us, and he's yeah. such a charming and nice fellow. And you know, I would never feel some people. I would feel that I couldn't phone them up and ask them to do the gig because you know they've moved on and they nobody owes us anything. And you know, you go well, I could, you know, you I'd put you in an awkward position and you'd have to tell me to no and it would I, I don't think i'd ever get like that with joe i think i think joe you know if he if he could do the gig he would and he and he asked to do it when he's got new material you know i'm very comfortable with with joe and he, he and 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 he's always very kind about the gig very kind about the gig um and, well and i think that perfectly summarizes you know what access has created over these years you know and uh i think maybe you you know you downplay your own own part in that a bit bit too much probably you know because you're obviously uh, a, a huge you know the father figure of the family now if i dare say you know oh, of, uh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah so, no, but, the, but, the other one is mentioned is, is Sarah, Sarah Millican because I think she's done every spot. I think she's done open spot, main, uh, pay fifteen, main support, headline, Edinburgh preview. So I think she's filled every part of the of of the of the um, of, of 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 the lineup. Apart from compare, actually, I don't think she's compared, which Justin right. has, which Justin has. So maybe Justin's beaten her on that. But but Sarah, I remember Sarah's first gig. Um, and I, in fact, I remember the first phone call. I remember when Sarah phoned me for the gig, and we ended up chatting for about forty minutes. I remember, right? Thinking, oh, we got we got on. She was she was really nice. I look forward to seeing her. And um, uh, and 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 in fact, I saw her only the other day as well. And she she is another one who is uh, very very true and a, a really decent person. And and she's I mean, she's a brilliant comic, but she's also very generous and. Uh, and very hard working. I mean, that sometimes I, I, I worry that that sounds like, oh yes, well she's got there because she's worked very hard. No, she hasn't. She's naturally absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 
but I also think it's important to 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 flag up the fact that some of these people you think, well, gosh, they, they've they've done a lot, and it's like, yeah, it's because they grafted like hell, yeah. uh, uh, because um, but but whilst also, yeah, she's 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 very 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 funny, but she's um, she she doesn't stop, um, and uh, and again has uh, has always sort of come and supported supported nights that uh, that I've that I've done. Um, uh, and it is, it is a brilliant, brilliant comic. Well, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it does say huge things about you, I think, and, and about the club and the, the family down there that, you know, these, these big names and people who, who did a gig or started out there, you know, have still got this relationship with you and come, come back because, you know, I know as much as you will from the circuit, there's, there's many, many gigs out there that you go and do. You drive off to a different town, don't you? And head down to Derby or Stoke or wherever it might be, you know, for, of a, friday night and and do a gig there and for one reason or another not to say that they're bad gigs or bad places you know but where you know you you, you don't kind of garner that relationship with the place or, or have those memories as well so it's obviously yeah there is something quite special that's been created at, at excess malarkey is is there anyone at the moment that you're kind of spotting that as as coming through the ranks at the moment that oh. stands out the circuit's in very rude health. I mean, we're in Edinburgh preview season, and we've just had uh, uh, Sarah Barron and Johnny Pelham on, on the same night. And I mean, Johnny, I consider a relatively new act, but he must have been going, what, five, six years, maybe? I don't know. I'm perhaps doing him a disservice because as you get older, time seems to fly so quickly. But yeah. John, Johnny's Edinburgh show this year is absolutely phenomenal. I saw a guy the other day, what's he called, Will Stone. I mean, Ross sources these people, and, and I thought he was absolutely terrific. I'm going to look him up. And I loved him. He was brilliant. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I mean, Harriet Dyer. The circuit has has uh, William Stone. He was the open spot, and he was okay. superb. Um, and uh, there's the, 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 the circuit has... A lot of very interesting and inventive uh, people. I mean, I guess it's always been in in rude health, but I'm, I'm I mean, with there are fewer clubs now as well, so there are less there are less lunatics than once there were. I, 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 I it's funny to get nostalgic for for acts who at the time were probably quite infuriating. <laughs> um, but but because comedy is so much, there's far more commercial pressures, even for a club like mine which we you know where we don't we don't make any money um you know it's all what's generated on the night pays the acts and that, that's pretty much it you know we have a little emergency fund if a microphone breaks but that's that you know we're not a business yeah. um, uh, and uh, uh but as you know, but the commercial pressures are there. i need the people that are in to come back next week you know so so you know, there's there's not really room for because fewer people are going to comedy. You know, it used to be you could have nights full of, you know, where the acts were all mad, but it was still packed to the rafters, and there was a certain yeah phrases. I, I think they've been they've been sadly lost. Um, but um, as you know, as somebody that needs people to come back next week, my I just I suspect my heart my my heart specialist is probably probably <laughs> happy about that. No, that's uh, no. It's good to hear that. Yeah, the the worry would be that the the circuit wouldn't be as being as inventive at the moment. But no, I think you're right. There do seem to be less of those um, people setting fire to things or uh, you know blowing things up while they're on stage at the moment. But trends and uh, 
fashions well, go around in circles, don't they? So I'm sure circles, they'll come back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 I don't think we'll we'll get get time in in this chat. But look, it's been it has been absolutely fascinating talking to you. And uh, you know, I think I asked one of the questions that I've written down <laughs> on my piece. Of paper. Sorry about that. No, no, look, it, it's all good, and the the best conversations flow like that. That anyway, um, kind of in my you know summary of of, of things and of of yourself, if you don't mind me saying, is that you're someone who clearly garners a, a lot of affection from people, you know, the areas of which, as you said earlier on yourself, are kind of your your hobbies where you've been lucky enough to earn a bit of money, but also to spend time, you know, creating in those areas around the Doctor Who and the science fiction and the writing and the, the stand-up and what you've made at excess. I guess, yes, where it might not be that huge commercial success at, at times you know or, or that huge hollywood blockbuster or anything along you know kind of to that degree where you have excelled and where i think people have so much affection for you is because you are mixing in those circles of you know those topics those <laughs> it's, it's how to word it but you you know where it, it's areas that people have a great love and affection for and, and you're kind of doing sterling work keeping that going you know that that ethos and being creative and you know I, I think you do potentially do yourself a disservice you know if you were to look on that negatively at any time because it's yeah the the, the work that you do and the impact that you've had obviously on the the comedy scene and for Doctor Who fans and everyone else has you know obviously been massive over the years as well so um no thank you for that obviously and thank you for your time as well this evening uh, well, thank you very much. I'm uh, happy. I, you know, you you said to a, 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 a comedian, "Will you will you come and talk about yourself?" I, oh, <laughs> oh, you're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming to the to the Skype. Um, so, well, I just hope if, if anybody's got to the end of it, I, I didn't irritate them too much. Yeah, I, I did tell you about that the editing issues I'd had previously, but uh, no, I will. Uh, well, I'll I'll work out what to do with it because it's all been really good stuff. So, no, I do thank you for it, um, Toby. And, uh, no, it'd be great to speak to you uh, again in the future as well. Yeah, well, you know, as I say, any, any, any time, happy to do it. Super. And then we'll get through some of those questions that I'd worked so yes. bloody hard on. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Up all night, last night, working on those. Um, brilliant. Okay. Well, what I'll do as well, Toby, is I haven't asked if you've got anything to have you got anything in particular we, we should be plugging or, or promoting and letting people know about at the moment? Um, uh, um, just that you're there, that come and yeah, see, just, say uh, hi and see what you're up I to. Guess, and... Yeah, I guess. Except, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Toby Hado, uh, uh, And um, uh, yeah, I've usually got, um, I, do, I do a podcast where I interview obscure actors from Doctor Who uh, called Toby Hado, who's round on Big Finish. Um, but um, yeah, just go to my website, tobyadoc.com. That's that, that's where I sort of keep up to date with what I'm doing. Because I, as I say, I just seem to sort of career from one thing to the next at the moment. Uh, you know, next week I'm getting my dog's bollocks chopped off and doing the garden. <laughs> so you know, it's it's that showbiz stuff. But uh, I'm quite enjoying that. You know, Toby, you know, I know you're a man of many talents. Please tell me you're not removing the testicles, are you? You are getting a, someone just, else in to do that. <laughs> To an expert, yes, <laughs> not to turn my own hand to that. I thought I'd give it a go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched Animal Hospital one week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rolf said it yeah. looks quite simple. So uh... <laughs> yeah, well, we all know what he was. Oh God, yeah, yeah. 
and uh, that was one of my no that wasn't one of my questions <laughs> <laughs> um no well what i'll do i'll put all in the show notes and on the little website that we're putting together as well i will put links to all of your stuff and everywhere that people can find out more about toby and all yeah all the well the many many things that that you're up to and working on and uh, no congratulations on the the signing with the agent there as well that's um, great news for you mate i'm chuffed a bit for you on that so um no pressure i expect uh you know best-selling uh novel in the next 12 months and <laughs> i'm working on a series called killing steve it's uh, no, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah we'll awesome. see we'll see what happens awesome good man thank you so much toby and uh i'll i'll let you know when this is going out as well so you can give it a little boost for us that'd be nice all right yep no worries super good man thanks for your time toby pleasure all the best my friend bye-bye okay bye So there we go. Thank you so much, Toby Haydock, for, uh, yeah, that slightly longer than normal episode, but I couldn't stop that. That was a lovely, lovely chat, and I hope that came across to you and you all enjoyed the huge variety of topics that we we chatted through there. And uh, barring my wittering and uh, pointless comments in between, some absolute gold there from Toby on the circuit and industry and his backstory and, and his obsessions and stuff that he's into as well wish him all the luck in the world with his new agent and uh, yeah going to be fascinating to see where that goes for him because he's uh, such a talented guy uh, so good at everything he does mega jealous good on you Toby uh, yeah nice one mate look we recorded that a little while ago so the new season at excess malarkey is in full swing if you check out the show notes you'll find Toby's website his twitter but also the link for excess malarkey where you can check out the amazing lineups that they have and not to sort of you know over egg it at all just amazing stuff you you got in the mixture of the best stand-ups in the country with the best up-and-coming stand-ups in the country with some local acts who are sort of at the early stages of their career doing the, the open spots but they they always book quality they're always people with a bit about them it's um it's a great club it's worth a trip to manchester if you've not been there before on a tuesday night to check out some of the talent and uh yeah then get yourself into town in it or get out in you know, wherever, wherever you want to go, I'm not going to, you know, make all your plans for you. I'm not going to make it too easy, but, but no, worth the trip over to see Toby and the amazing team that run Excess Malarkey. Uh, what else have I got to add? Look, just the usual, really, guys. Like and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating, a review wherever you listen. If you can do something positive through that app with a few little clicks, that would be hugely appreciated you can follow us on social media at pullback reveal and if toby has been the reason that you're listening to this podcast for the very first time ever why not check out the back catalogue we've only been going a few months and uh, it's going quite well we've peaked up at number 17 in the comedy interview charts on apple with top 50 in the united states of america as well yeah it's going good so join the club guys you know give us a subscribe a follow and check out people like simon evans and tony law and callie beaton and laura lex and loads of loads of amazing headline brilliant comedians and a good old mix of some new fresh talent in there as well look i've wittered on for way long enough um if you got stuck in traffic though today that would have been a godsend wouldn't it that long episode i hope you've enjoyed it thanks so much to toby once again always a treat mate to speak to you i hope to bump into you again soon and you listening come back real soon there'll be another episode more there's always more love you lots thanks a lot now bye bye
Pullback Reveal is a podcast by me, Kev Rook, only made possible by the kind generosity of our guests who give up their time for absolutely nothing at all. Now, if you would like to help us out in any way, all you need to do, and it's really simple, is just go to wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a subscribe, give us a rate and review if it will let you do so, and then get onto social media. Search at Pullback Reveal. You'll find us on Facebook and Twitter. And give us a follow, like our stuff, share what we're doing. That would really, really help at the moment because each and every one of you that does that, it just spreads the message a little bit wider. And the more listeners we get, the bigger and better we can become. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest and mark my words. And in the meantime, look out in the midweek for the trailer and the reveal of who our next guest is going to be. Thanks for your time. Bye now.